It's nice to look around this evening and see so many smiling faces. Some are not, but uh, most are. But that's a wonderful hymn, isn't it? And always rely on Jan to pick some lovely hymns. And Trust and Obey was sung when I came up from the waters of baptism at 14. But how often have we not trusted and not obeyed? And the other one we sang about being nearer to God and God being nearer to us. It's absolutely true, isn't it? And we are as near or as far from God as we want to be. And tonight, as we look at God's word, we're speaking of him as the shepherd of the sheep. And as we look at him as the shepherd, let's see that if we want to, we can be closer to the shepherd. He would have every one of us to be close to him. But at the end of the day, it's our choice. Shall we read, please, from John's Gospel? I've got a lot of readings tonight. And if there's somebody without a Bible, if you, if you want to push across the pew and sit next to somebody and, and uh, copy from their Bible or read from their Bible, that's fine. But try and read the Word of God. It's the most important thing we do. And as we read it, we pray that God will give us an understanding of it. John chapter 10 John's Gospel, chapter 10, and we read up to verse 19 or so. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and he leadeth them out. When he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but they will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not shear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and he leaveth the sheep and fleeth and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and he careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received from my Father. 
There was a division, therefore, again among the Jews for these sayings. So God will add his blessing to the reading of his word. Father, we praise thee again that we are able to take thy word, thy perfect word, in our hands and read it. And we pray that you will speak to us tonight very clearly from the words of Scripture that we might see in it the Lord Jesus Christ as the shepherd of the sheep. We pray that we will see him as the saviour of the world and the one who loves us, the one who gave himself for us at that place called Calvary. We thank thee, our God, for every blessing we have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And we can look back to a time, to a time when we walked according to the course of this world, according to the spirit that still worketh in the children of disobedience. And we praise thee, our God, that we've been brought nigh tonight by the blood of the cross. We would pray for any person here tonight who has never found Christ as their saviour, that they might turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. We ask thy blessing on every word that is spoken, our God. We pray that by thy spirit tonight that we will see Jesus, that one who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, now crowned with glory and with honour. We know that one day he is coming to get again to receive us unto himself. And we would say, our God, even so come, Lord Jesus. We look around us at the state of the world, our God, and we pray for the salvation of souls, not just here in Bethany, but in South Wales, our God, and in this country, and in the wider world, in a world that is devoid of God. For the most part, we pray that you will speak, our God, that people will listen, people will hear, and coming to this fold that belongs to our Saviour, the Lord Jesus. We ask it in his name. Amen. Now, this portion of Scripture is probably well known to most of us. I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But I want to look at a bit of context for it uh, this, uh, this evening. And it comes between almost two bookends of verses. And the one is found in chapter 8, right at the end there. And Jesus has been speaking to the Jews, and he's been speaking to the Pharisees in particular. And in verse 59 it says, Then took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself, and he went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by why did they pick up stones to stone him? And then the other bookend is verse 31 of the chapter that we read. And there it says, Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. To get a bit more context, look at the end of chapter 9. And Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. This is who... Um, this portion of scripture is directed to is the Pharisees. And in verse 41, it says, Jesus said unto them, if ye were blind, ye would have no sin. But now ye say, we see. Therefore, your sin remaineth. And he's speaking to the hierarchy of Israel of the day. The Pharisees, the ones who should be the shepherds of the sheep. 
And as we look at it, we see in chapter 9 that Jesus has just healed the blind man. But the Pharisees will have nothing to do with it. They will say, what? You were blind from birth. And they argue and they say, well, perhaps you weren't really blind. It's the same today, isn't it? We speak about the Lord Jesus Christ. We speak about the word of God. And people want, want to say, ah, but that's just one of those things. It might have happened anyway. But this man was blind. And he could say and tell the Pharisees. And this was his witness. This was his testimony. Once I was blind. But now I can see. And that should be our testimony, shouldn't it? We once walked in darkness. But now we walk in light. Once we were blind, but now we can see. And that's a little bit of background uh, to what happened here. But when Jesus uh, starts speaking in verse 10, he says those wonderful words, doesn't he? Verily, verily. It means truly, truly, or amen and amen. And as the Son of God, he says verily, verily. When he says those words twice, we had better listen. They're only written in this book around about 40 times. And it's all in John's gospel. Verily, verily is not mentioned in any other part of scripture. He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. And he says, verily, verily, Truly, truly, because he is speaking to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees long since have abandoned the truth of God. And he says to them, truly, truly, verily, verily, I am speaking to you. And I am telling you the truth about the shepherd of the sheep. And if we go back to the Old Testament, to the book of Jeremiah, we'll see the standing of the hierarchy of Israel. Go to, go to Jeremiah and chapter 23. We'll come back to John's gospel afterwards. So if you keep your finger in there, which I probably won't, but there you go. Uh, 23 and verse 1. We're going to read quite a few verses in Jeremiah. This is 600 years at least before Jesus spoke that parable. 600 years and things have hardly changed in those 600 years. And he says this, Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and, and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Woe unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. Therefore thus saith the Lord God of Israel, against the pastors that feed my people, ye have scattered my flock, we have, you have driven them away and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings, saith the Lord. And I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries whither I have driven them and will bring them again to their folds and they shall be fruitful and increase. Look how many times Jeremiah says, thus saith the Lord. He's speaking the word of God and when we look back to Jeremiah, what a contrast he is with, the, with these people, these Pharisees in John chapter 9. What a contrast. They have abandoned the word of God. They are unable to say, thus saith the Lord anymore. 
But Jeremiah says, Thus saith the Lord. Go down to verse 5. Behold, the day comes, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch. And we know that that righteous branch was the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he says, And a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days, Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely. What a contrast to Judah and Israel at this very moment. But one day they will prosper and one day they will be saved and one day they will dwell safely despite what men say. And this is his name whereby he shall be called. So this is Jesus that Jeremiah is speaking about here. And he says, and this is his name whereby he shall be called the Lord, our righteousness. And as we meet here tonight, we know that however saved we are or however unsaved we are, that all we have and all we can hope to have is because of his righteousness, the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who loved us and died for us at the place called Calvary. He is the Lord, our righteousness. We have no righteousness of our own. The Bible says, for there is none righteous, none righteous at all. There is none good. Verse 11 says, for both prophet and priest are profane. Look at this. There were many false prophets in Israel at this time. Jeremiah was fighting an uphill battle. He was telling the people that you are going to be taken into captivity for 70 years. And he went around preaching that message for, I think, 40 years. And nobody listened. Can you imagine being a preacher and you preach like banging your head against the wall for all those years? And yet, the message that Jeremiah had was correct. But the message that the false prophets had was totally incorrect. They said, oh, don't worry. It's not a problem. You might go into captivity for two years, but it, you'll come back and you'll be fine. But God's word came true. And it came th true through Jeremiah. He said, you're going into captivity for 70 years. And they went into captivity for 70 years. The judgment of God. And he says there in verse 11, for both prophet and priest are profane. But we move on 600 years. Don't, don't go back to it yet. We've got much more to read in Jeremiah. But when, when we look at the parable that Jesus spoke there in John chapter 10, things were no different. The prophets and the priests and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they'd moved away from God. And here, 600 years earlier, he says the prophet and the priests are profane. Yea, in my house have I found their wickedness, saith the Lord. That's in the temple, the holy place. And yet, they had profaned his temple and shown their wickedness. This is a, a beautiful chapter. If you get time, read it when you get home. Verse 16, we're just going to pick out various verses in it. He's talking again about false prophecy and false prophets. He says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, hearken not unto the words of the false prophets, 
I've inserted the word false there because that's what he's talking about. He says, hearken not unto the words of the false prophets that prophesy unto you. They make you vain or empty. They speak a vision of their own heart and not out of the mouth of the Lord. This is what we get today very often, isn't it? In Christendom, they're speaking out of their own dreams and out of their own visions and not out of the mouth of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord that we are reading from. And this is the mouth of the Lord. And this is the only mouth of the Lord that we've got. Go down to verse 20 at the end there. It says, in the latter days, ye shall consider it perfectly. He's talking about the judgment and the anger of the Lord. In the latter days, ye shall consider it perfectly or completely. I have not sent these prophets Yet they ran. He's still talking about the false prophets. He's not talking about Jeremiah. I have not sent these false prophets, but they ran to you. I have not spoken to them, yet they have prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned them from their evil ways and from the evil of their doings. Verse 25 I have heard what the prophets said, that prophecy lies in my name, saying I have dreamed a dream. How long shall this be in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies? Yea, they are prophets of the deceit of their own hearts. And we know that the scripture says that the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But God knows it, and God proves in his word here that he knew the hearts of the deceitful and the vain prophets. Verse 27. Which think to cause my people to forget my name. Their purpose was to get God's people to, to forget the name of God by their dreams which they tell every man to his neighbor. The prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. Consider this verse carefully. The prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. He says, what is the chaff to the wheat, saith the Lord? What is the straw or the chaff compared with the wheat? And he's comparing those two statements at the beginning of verse 28. prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. In other words, he's saying, let him go tell his dream. He's talking about the false prophets. But he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. And the difference between false prophecy and preaching God's word faithfully is like the difference between the chaff and the wheat. And we know this verse, I'm sure we do. Verse 29, is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in two. Verse 31, behold, I am against the false prophets, saith the Lord, that use their tongues, and they say, he saith. They're saying, 
God says, we've come in the name of the Lord, and yet they use their tongues and they say those words, but they haven't got the word of the Lord in them. Behold, I am against them that prophesy false dreams, saith the Lord, and to tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their lightness or their vain boasting. Yet I sent them not. God states quite clearly, I did not send these false prophets. They came in their own name, yet I sent them not. Nor did I command them. Therefore they shall not profit this people at all, saith the Lord. Now when we look back to John's gospel, we see there in John's gospel this bit that we read, this few verses that we read together, and we see it, and we see that over 600 odd years, nothing had changed. There were false prophets about. There were those that maligned the word of God. There were those that subtly spoke in God's name. Priests and prophets and the hierarchy of Israel, the Pharisees especially. And they said to Jesus, are we blind also? We're going back to chapter 9 of John's Gospel now, right at the end there. Are we blind also? And they were seeking to provoke the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus said unto them in verse 41, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see. Therefore, your sin remaineth. And those words might have convicted some, but most of them carried on doing what they were doing. And that's why Jesus comes in with those wonderful words in chapter 10. And he says, verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. And in parable form, he is telling the Pharisees that they are thieves and robbers. And they have robbed the people that they were in charge of, of God. They've taken God and taken his name. And they've spoken Yes, we are speaking in the name of the Lord. Thus, we are, we are the people of God. We are the hierarchy of Israel. You must listen to what we say. And yet we know that the people brought lame and blind sacrifices to the altar. And the priests put those lame and blind sacrifices upon the altar. And we know how wrong that was. Verse 2 says, But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And if we are the sheep of his pasture tonight, we hear his voice, and we hear his word, and he heareth us too. He calleth his own sheep by name. You see, he knows our names, everyone, and he leadeth them out. He leadeth them out. Now, we don't see that many shepherds in Wales, do we? We probably all know what a shepherd's crook like looks like, the thing with the hook on the end there to pick the sheep out of the ditch or whatever. But look at that, the Lord Jesus Christ, depicting himself as the shepherd of the sheep, and he's saying, he leadeth them out. And he leadeth us. If we would see a farmer in Wales, 
with his sheep. I'm not going to say that. <clears throat> Excuse me. If we were to see a farmer in Wales up on the mountains up in Brecon or somewhere, and he's got a few hundred sheep in a field, he wouldn't be leading them out, would he? Have we ever seen a shepherd in Wales lead his sheep? I don't think so. Uh, might be herding them on a quad bike. It sounds like fun, doesn't it? Or he might have been uh, sending a couple of dogs around and whistling for the dogs. And he herds them from behind. But the sheep in Israel were led by the shepherd from the front. What a picture the Lord Jesus Christ is, given, is giving uh, to those around him. The Pharisees in particular, led by the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. What else does he say? He leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. As we've said, he goes in front of him, them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. He's calling us tonight to listen to his voice, to listen to his word, that we might follow him and that he might lead us. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. So he was speaking uh, predominantly to the Pharisees, and they understood not what he said. We ought to hope an open heart and an open mind, an open conscience to the word of God so that we can hear what he is saying. Not the voice of strangers, but the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He speaks to them, but they don't want to listen or they have blind eyes and they cannot see. But what had upset the Pharisees so much? They would have known the word of God. They would have read the word of God. Even from children, from being children, they would have read the word of God. So what upset them? Well, I think it was the fact that they were supposed to be the shepherds of the flock. They were supposed to be the shepherds of Israel. And yet they'd neglected their duties and they've turned into false prophets and false teachers. And Jesus, by his very words, was convicting them of their sin. But he gave them that parable that is in a nutshell there in six verses. And then afterwards, he goes over, he goes on to explain a little bit more. He knew that they hadn't understood the things that he'd said properly. And he goes on to tell them more about himself. But the thing that really upset them, and we're going to move around a few scriptures again, go back to chapter 8. And verse 58. And there we see that Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, another truly, truly, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. What did that mean to the Pharisees? They knew that, that I am meant he was Jehovah God. They were offended, grossly offended by his words. And that is why they took up stones, to stone him. And I want to give you just two references. Go back to Deuteronomy. Right at the front of your Bibles. There, Deuteronomy, chapter 3, and verse 14. 
And here we see God speaking to Moses. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. I am hath sent me unto you. And it really means, I am what I am, means I continue to be what I continue to be and will be for all eternity. He is God. And the Pharisees realized in John's Gospel, chapter 10, that he was claiming to be God. And then he says, I am at the end of that verse as well, verse 14. And he says, and that is the ever-existing one, or he that is to come, the ever-existing one, from eternity to eternity. So no wonder when he said, I am, the Jews were offended. But whenever the word of God is preached, there are those that will be offended. Offended because he is a holy God. Again, in verse 4 of chapter 9 of John's Gospel, come to it again. Again, he says, I am. Verse 5, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And he was coming to these Pharisees as a light in a dark place. So he says, I am again. They would have recognized that as him claiming to be God. Go over to Revelation. Just one verse in Revelation to prove the point. Chapter 1 of Revelation, the last book in the Bible. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. Verse 8 of chapter 1. Seth the Lord. Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, Seth the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come. The Almighty. The Almighty. Which is and which was and which is to come. And that corresponds exactly to the name Jehovah. Jehovah God. So you can see why uh, they were offended at his words. Which is, which always is, which was, which ever was, and which is to come, which always is the coming one. You can't get any clearer than that. Well, perhaps it wasn't that clear, but, uh, but I hope you understand what it means that the Lord Jesus Christ is from eternity to eternity, the eternal son of the eternal God. And he never ceased to be who he inherently, eternally, intrinsically was in God the Father, the eternal son. And that's what John shows us in John's gospel, the whole of John's gospel. He is the eternal word and the eternal son. Let's get back to our narrative in John 10, if we can. What I want to look at is the I am's that Jesus states in this chapter. Down to verse 7. Then said Jesus unto them again, Truly, truly, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. They would have been grossly offended by that statement, and they were. Go down to verse 9. I am the door. 
by me if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. He is the door. He is the access to God. He could say, couldn't he, in John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. They hated him, and they hated him without a cause. If only they'd looked a little deeper and saw him as the Messiah, the coming one. They shall go in and out and find pasture. So he said, I am, twice there, in verse 7 and verse 9. Go down to verse 10. And he says, the, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. So the thief cometh to steal and to kill and destroy the sheep. But he says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Do you want abundant life tonight? It can only be found in the person and in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ at the place called Calvary. More abundant life. So we got another I am in verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. So he is the good shepherd as opposed to the bad shepherds and the false prophets of Jeremiah. Four I am's there. One more to go. I am the good shepherd. In verse 14, he states again, I know my sheep and am known of mine. This is why they were offended, because he claimed to be the son of God. Down to verse 30, and he says, I and my father are one, stating quite clearly his relationship with the Father God. Then the, jo the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Why did they want to stone him? Because he was the Son of God. Why do people hate him today? Why do people hate us? Because we believe on him. They hated him without a cause, and they will hate us without a cause. They won't need a reason to hate us, because we belong to the shepherd. Verily, verily, he says again in verse 7, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. What does that mean? It means that that door, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, is the only access to heaven, the only way of salvation. The Bible says, for neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name, none other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. And that comes us up, it comes to us tonight as a command from God, whereby we must be saved. It's an imperative. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, then turn to him tonight and come to the door and open the door and go in and out and find pasture. What else do we see in the chapter? There's so much in it, more than I could ever bring out. But it's a, it's a wonderful chapter. Verse 9. Let's use this as a text. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. 
That's the simplicity of the gospel. Jesus says, I am again. Once more, stating that he is God. He says, I am. He says, I am the door. A simple analogy of something we walk through to get into another place. I am the door. A simple door. And yet we go through him to God. He says, in simplicity, I am the door. But it's an exclusive gospel, you see. He says, by me. That's the exclusivity of it. By me. It's the only way. There is no other way. There are not 27 ways to heaven or more. There is one way. And the Pharisees were going the wrong way. But there are many people today in the world in which we live and they're going the wrong way. They're trying always, using their own righteousness, using their own money, and using very many ways to come to God. Oh, I'll live a decent life. I'll live a good life. The Bible says there is none good. No, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, it's simple, this verse, isn't it? It's exclusive. It's by the Lord Jesus Christ but it's also universal because it says, I am the door by me. If any man, that means any woman as well, if any man, if anyone, anyone at all, it's universal, but salvation is also certain. He shall be saved. Have you been saved? Do you know Christ as your savior? If not, come to him tonight and he will save you. He is the good shepherd that gave his life for the sheep. Just a few more little things out of these verses. Verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And you might think I've mentioned that quite a lot tonight. Well, I have. And the Bible mentions it quite a lot too. So it must be with good reason. It says, the good shepherd giveth his life or layeth down his life for the sheep. And there's a few other verses that actually say almost the exact same thing. Verse 15, as the Father knoweth me, Jesus says, even so know I the Father. The mutual understanding between God and his Son, and the Son and God, and I lay down my life for the sheep. This was before he went to the cross. This was before he died. This was before he shed his precious blood. And yet he says, I, will, I'm, I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17 says more or less the same thing again in a slightly different way. Therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. And you see why uh, the hierarchy of Israel hated him. Why the Pharisees and the magistrates and the Sadducees couldn't stand him. They didn't want him. They would not have this man to reign over them. So he says, I lay down my life that I might take it again. He was stating that he could take his own life again, lay it down and take it, that he was in complete control. And in verse 18, he says very much the same thing. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power 
to lay it down. To them, he must have looked like a powerless creature. He must have looked not too much different from any other man of the era. And yet he says, I have power to lay down my life. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. And then there was a division, therefore, among the Jews. And you know, when the word of God is preached, when Jesus spoke, there was always division. There were always those who went their way and there were always those who came unto him. And when the gospel is preached, it is no different. The gospel is preached, and Christ is upheld as the only saviour of sinners. And there are those that will go out the door without a saviour. But thankfully, some are saved. Some come to know him as their saviour. And they go on to live abundant life through the Lord Jesus Christ. So God will bless his word and uh, read chapter 10 of John's gospel and read chapter 23 of Jeremiah if it's not too much as well because there's so much to be found in it, much more than I have spoken of tonight. Shall we pray? Father, we praise thee again for the reading of your word. We pray that you will re-preach the message in our hearts tonight that we again might see Jesus. We might look unto Jesus, the author of our, and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, we thank thee, our God, that he died at the cross to save sinners. And we find ourselves tonight before the throne of grace as sinners saved by grace. We pray, our God, that you will save souls tonight. Whether those listening online, our God, or those here in Bethany, we pray thy blessing in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. We sing our last hymn, if I can see it on the back there. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Not only the shepherd, he is the Lamb. Are you fully trusting in his grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Amen.
Father, we praise thee tonight that the blood of Jesus Christ, your Son, cleanseth us from all sin. We praise thee, our God and Father, that we can look up to a Saviour who shed that blood on that place called Calvary. Calvary, we can sing, is the place where my burden was lifted. Calvary is the place where my soul was set free. We pray that souls will be set free tonight, our God, as a result of the preaching of thy word. Bless thy word to us, our God. Help us to stick close to it. Help us to stay close to thee, our God and Father. And we give thee all the praise and all the glory and all the honour for all that you do for us. In the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you.